Hello, and welcome to In Person, brought to you by Visibo. In each episode of In Person, we explore the world's most daring events and the people who make them happen. In case you and I haven't already met, I'm Brandon Raffleson. Really excited to share our first ever live recording of the In Person podcast with you. I had the chance to sit down with Monique Ruffbell from Money 2020 at our recent in-person collective event in NYC. Monique is the senior brand leader at Money 2020 USA and VP of events at its parent company, Essential PLC. In case you haven't heard, Money 2020 USA is where the industry's smartest visionaries and innovators come together to create the future of money. Monique's responsibilities include setting the show vision and strategy with a global president, plan execution, P&L management, and sales and marketing support and performance. During our discussion, Monique shared how she approaches audience segmentation, content programming, and networking experiences at Money 2020 so that the event feels deliberate for each attendee. We also discussed the role of mentors and sponsors in professional development, creating opportunities for women in leadership, being authentic in your career, and karaoke. Again, it was a lot of fun recording our first ever live episode. The audience was amazing, and in case you can't tell, I was a little bit nervous. If you happen to be at In-Person Collective, welcome back. If you weren't, I hope that while listening to this discussion, you almost feel as if you were there in person. I'm so excited to be sitting here chatting with you. We had a chance earlier to meet and chat over at the Money 2020 Essential Office. That was very fun. I always like to start off, if anybody's listening to the podcast, I typically start off with a really technical, really challenging question that sort of throws our guest off balance a little bit. I'm ready. I'm ready. I think it's important. I understand, Monique, that in some circles you are known as the karaoke queen. That's, or what I like to say, the queen of karaoke. The queen of karaoke. That's right. That's me. You've performed in multiple venues. I'm worldwide. I'm worldwide. Worldwide. I'm worldwide. What's your go-to song? Before we start there, Brandon. Okay, please. As the queen of karaoke. Please. I have to say, I have some people in this room who've experienced this with me. <laughs> <laughs> have many friends who would rather take a knife and stab it in their eyeball than watch me sing. And then I have many friends like the ones in the back who cheer me on. And I do karaoke. I try to do karaoke wherever I go. So around the world. I've done it in Bali. I've done it in Italy. I've done it in France. I always do it in New York. So come see me, headliner. My go-to song is... Prince when doves cry. I mean, I got the movements, the whole thing. It's a, wow. it's a thing. It's a thing. Fantastic. So I think we actually have this song. If we could. Oh, boy. No, it looks like they don't have it all put up. But I was time, ready. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> I could turn I it wish. on. I wish. That'd be the first uh, in-person podcast karaoke, uh, which would be pretty fun. Uh, okay. Now that we've kind of uh, really discovered how you are um, creating these really lively in-person experiences through performance, let's... <laughs> Let's talk about Money 2020 a little bit, then we'll get to background for a second too. So Money 2020, right now, what are the main initiatives there and how do your responsibilities currently align with those? 
Okay, so Money 2020 is basically one of the largest payments, financial services, and fintech events that's based in the USA. It happens every October in Las Vegas. Not only do we have Money 2020 in the USA, but we have a Money 2020 in Europe, and we have a Money 2020 in Asia. So I happen to manage the one that's in the USA for thousands of attendees. It's a pretty big show. One of the responsibilities is how do we bring an entire ecosystem within payments, financial services, and fintech to one show and service them entirely. So not only them, but the service providers as well. We really have to think about how do you structure a show that big that you can give the core component to each of those different sectors. What we do is we kind of think about how do you make a big show feel small. We also think about, you know, we have these Fortune 500 companies to small startups, to startups who are now unicorns with billions of dollars. How do we service them and make sure that they're connecting with the right people that they need to connect with? We are really trying to kind of be that connector for the industry and bringing that entire ecosystem together. It takes a lot to do that. But we've been around. We're going into our ninth year. We just finished our eighth year. All of the power players are there, all of the big banks, all of the what we call the insurgents. So the Facebooks and the Amazons and the Googles, anyone that touches money. So if you move, borrow, save, innovate, money, you're coming to Money 2020. Boom. <laughs> and, and it's been going for uh, eight years strong, going into its ninth. Going into its ninth year. And, you know, to put on a show of that size, I have a team of 22. But on site, we bring in about a team of 100 to execute a show like that. I have some great professional event production team members who really put this show together. And I'm more like the conductor. I always call myself the conductor of a a really great orchestra of making sure all of these components are happening, as well as I have P&L responsibilities. So got to make sure we're making that money too. We're going to talk about what you mentioned in terms of like the audience that you're speaking to, how you're making that larger event feel small and feel really deliberate for those attendees that come to Money 2020. But before we dive into that, I'd love to do a little bit more background. I mean, I just read this bio and I think it was a pretty well-written bio, but just to provide a little bit more context, I mean, you were a director of conferences at Haymarket Media. You managed your own consulting company for some time. You've also led event programs at a variety of associations and networks. Looking at all of that, if we go back a little bit and time. Where did you kind of get your entrance into events? And how did each of these steps in your career lead to where we are right now? I've been in the events industry for 20 years. So my entire career has either been in promotions or live events. When you're back at 12 years old, you never think, oh, I'm going to grow up to run conferences for a living. Like nobody does that. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Has anybody done that? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't see any hands here. And so you basically kind of fall into this industry some way or somehow. You just kind of start doing something and then you just kind of grow in that. But when I was in college, I didn't really think about where I wanted to go next. I was like, I want to do marketing. You know, I randomly closed my eyes, picked an internship, and it was at this uh, media and events company. When I joined it, the first thing they said was, oh, we want you to beg for money. Like, what does that mean? And they were like, you're going to be a sponsorship coordinator. And I was like, this is my first job. What do I have to do (laughs) to get someone to give me $25,000? I have no idea. That was my first job. And I actually made the quota of, yeah, whoa, of getting, (laughs) it was woe to me too, um, of getting that. And then just kind of seeing the other production components within that, 
company, I was like, hey, I think maybe, you know, this is something I would like to do. Fast forward, I have done sponsorship coordination. I have been a meeting and incentive planner. I have been an event marketer. I have been a logistics and operation manager, and I have been a content manager. So I've done every single job in events that you can do. My sweet spot became content management because I'm really nosy and I like research and following trends and things like that. And so I just said, okay, I'll just kind of stick with this trajectory. And then about seven years ago, I got really intentional and serious about my career. I was like, okay, I've been doing all of this stuff within events or whatever. Where do I see myself kind of ending up? And I started to participate in a lot of experiential events and one of them was Can Lions. And I don't know if you're familiar with that festival of creativity based in um, the south of France. And I would go there. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do this. I want to run a show like this. And that was seven years ago. And I was like, what do I have to do to get to that? I was really lucky that I had someone in my company who became my sponsor. Not mine, just my mentor. My sponsor. They're two different things, right? So your mentor is giving you advice, patting you on the shoulder. You can do it. Your sponsor is the person that's helping to move your career along. They're actually putting in the work to bring you up within that company or within your career. So I actually had a male sponsor who took me with him to four jobs. Every time he moved up, and he moved up each job. Every time he moved up, he moved me up. And I would go up and do a job with him. And every time I would move, I would say, well, I want to do this. And I want to learn this and I want to participate in this. And P&L management is really big. I need to learn how to run a P&L. And he would do it. He would figure out a way for me to have those responsibilities. And then when we got to the fourth one, I said, I think I think I'm done. We're good. I think I'm ready to move on to the next one. And the next one happened to be Money 2020 because I got very intentional and strategic about where I wanted to end my career with. And I always say, and this is a little controversial, that. Doing a good job only gets you more work. What? Well, hold on. What? Just doing a good job just gets you more work. That's crazy. Yeah. If you're not being very strategic about just not just doing a good job, but where do you want to go, who you need to connect with, what do you need to learn, and how do you need to enhance your skill set, only thing you'll ever get is more work. When you're going to college or you're going to school and you get those A's, you're thinking, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. I get the A's. I'm rewarded for that. That's not how business works. You have to really get serious and get really connected and really figure out what does it take to get to plan B and let me learn what that is. So I have to do a good job, but I also have to learn these different things. That's kind of what I started to get really, really serious about my career. And I am with Money 2020, but guess who it's owned by? Essential PLC. And guess what Essential PLC owns? Can Lions. Wow. And I actually work on the Can Lions program as well. So full circle. Full circle. I mean, there are several things here that really stand out to me. I mean, one is sort of this inciting moment of going to Can Lions <laughs> and you're just like, wow, this is it. This is what I want to do. And from that moment, really being deliberate in your career path. I think the other thing, too, that really stands out is having that sponsor and that distinction between a mentor and a sponsor. Early on in our careers, we really want to have a mentor, but understanding that fulfills one role. Yeah. And having somebody who's going to step out and support you is is entirely different. And I got to be honest, sometimes it's really hard for a woman. I'm going to go into the woman thing. Sometimes it's really hard for a woman to step out of just thinking, I'm going to be noticed because I'm doing a good job. Right? And so you have to be really intentional about... Who in this company 
is doing what I'm doing or looking to who needs my help or help to accelerate in certain areas that I can play a bigger part in that. And that's what I had with my sponsor. You know, we were a really great team. There were great things that he was good at and there were some things he wasn't that I picked up the slack in. And so we really just kind of really worked well together. So he knew when he was going to these other companies to build their events business, he would bring me along because he knew what he was good at and he knew what I was good at and we made a really good team. But I always was very intentional about if I'm going to go with this dude and learn all of this stuff, I'm going to get something out of it as well. And I'm going to learn the skills that I need to learn so that I can jump up within my career. And that's exactly how it happened. We're going to talk in a little bit about some of the programs that Money 2020 and uh, Essential are, are putting forward to sort of help women get more leadership opportunities. But right now, let's take a moment to look at making Money 2020 feel smaller, more intimate. We already talked about the thousands of attendees that are there. We mentioned that it's like anybody who's in the financial industry, they're going to be there. With that in mind, I know that there are several personas that you and your team have created in order to have a better understanding. Could, could we review those real quick? When you come to a, a show that's thousands and thousands of attendees, it can become a very overwhelming experience for the attendee. And it can become a very overwhelming experience for the event team as well, because you're trying to figure out how can I please all of these people? What we did was we really kind of took a step back and started to do research and, you know, because everybody sends out surveys and all of that good stuff. So just looking back at the data from the surveys and really kind of breaking down what are the personas that we're dealing with who are coming to our shows. And after we kind of really dig deep into the data, we figured out, and it's not anything that's groundbreaking here, but that we have three types of attendees at our shows. You have a learner, you have a networker, you have a mixed And what does that mean is they have three different types of components to those three personas. As a networker, that's more of your C-suite high-level attendee. They're there to connect. They're there to find business or they're there to meet new partners or they're there to hear about the latest innovation in a more one-to-one fashion. We knew we had to create many programs, more intimate closed door sessions, as well as a lot of different networking opportunities on site that could feed into the networker persona. Then you have the learner. You have the learner who's there 100% to hear what's the latest announcements, what's the latest tech that's coming down the pike, what are the latest trends that are going on, because they want to take those learnings back to their office and implement them immediately. You have to kind of structure your event that you're servicing that component. And then you have the mix. And most of your events, you're going to have about most of your attendees who are going to be mixed. I would say ours is about 49% who are mixed. They want to network as well as they want to learn. So what's the core of that? Ease. You want to create the opportunity for them to find the content they need to find in an easy way. And you need to create the networking opportunities that they can find in an easy way. And then take out that awkwardness when it comes to trying to network with each other. And that's, I know we'll probably get in a little bit deeper with that. And that's what we have with our matchmaking platform. And so we really thought about those three areas and what we wanted to do with that. And we really kind of went gung-ho in making sure that we were servicing those three personas. And it really helped with each of those personas really understanding that we were really about the customer experience for them. With Money 2020 in particular, were you using any sort of systems or processes in order to identify what percentage of people might make up a specific group? 
We would ask. Just ask. <laughs> we would ask. We would say, do you like XYZ? And if they did, we were like, okay, they probably fall into more of the networker category. What was really good about Money 2020 is that they did keep, before I joined, their survey, the results. They really did try to always dig deeper into the delegate experience and trying to figure out and making sure they're asking certain questions of that delegate. And we would get a lot of great feedback. So it was really helpful for us to kind of be able to put these attendees in those buckets so we can figure out how to enhance our customer experience on site. When it comes to engaging these different personas, I know that your team came up with five stories or themes to sort of direct the content and experience. Could you share with us a little bit more about the ideation process behind that and what they are? Like I said, we're servicing an entire ecosystem, payments, fintech, financial services. Those people all have different learning needs. Instead of us putting 11 themes together, this one is for the banking, this is for the AI, this is for the payments track. We were like, what are some of the key trends affecting the entire ecosystem? We had our content team go out and they were speaking to some of our past speakers, some of our delegates to really say, hey, kind of what's some of your pain points? And there was these five key stories that came out of all of that work. One was that everyone is being affected by commercial models and the M&A activity. Everyone's being affected by product strategy and design. Everyone's being affected by cybersecurity. Everyone's being affected by AI, blockchain, and the cloud. Everyone's being affected by coming up with innovation. Instead of us sitting there and coming up with just 11 themes, we were like, okay, we know these five stories are trending within our marketplace. Let's make sure that we have content that addresses those key things. And we actually named each of our stages after each of those themes. So it was easier for people to find. It became a compass for our delegates to find the right type of content that they needed to hear. We have over 500 speakers 220 sessions. It's a lot of content out there for you. So it was really helpful to kind of put it into this more of a bite-sized format for people to kind of find the learnings that they really needed. In addition to that, you also created a whole entire program for C-suite attendees who had been coming to the event for years. But this time around, you decided to create this custom beginning to end experience for them. How did that differ from some of the content or the experience of the other attendees who were uh, going to these different stages? Like I said, we have major power players coming to the show. We have CEOs of all of the major banks, the C-suite of all of these big companies. Everybody has great C-suite that probably comes to their event. But when you see them kind of walking the show floor or you don't see them walking the exhibit hall floor, it's because they're always on, right? People are always approaching them. People always want their attention. They can never just sit there, relax, and learn, really, because they're always expected to give this talk or to always be on and give this information to someone who wants to partner with and get to know them, connect with them. We noticed that. And so what we wanted to do was we want to create this closed door form just for them where they can be in the same room with their peers and they can turn off. So we actually call it CEO Unplugged. It's a way for them to kind of come in, learn what a person at that particular level is dealing with, learn from each other, as well as we took them off site to do some fun networking opportunities. So we did race car driving. They did this whole wine tasting. So we really made it a fun experience for them for two days. Now, we're not going to keep their attention fully for two days. That's one of the learnings that we learned from putting on this show. But when they were there and they were participating in it, they absolutely loved the fact that they can share and debate. And they were debating with each other over some key issues of the industry in a safe space. I am very impressed with how you and your team are iterating on feedback. 
not only from surveys, which are going out on a daily basis, but also little things like, for instance, at the help desk. Our core is the customer experience. Yes, people come because they feel like all of their clients are there. So sometimes they feel like they have to be there, but we want to make it feel like you want to be there and have a memorable experience. One of the things is how can we solve any issues that may arise quicker than just waiting to something post-show? One of the things that we used to do was we used to do this very long-winded survey at the end of the show that was like 45 questions that nobody would probably want to answer. I know I didn't. Um, (laughs) How was your experience? How how was this? Blah, 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 blah. And so we decided this year that we were going to scrap that and really just kind of get immediate feedback. So every day at the end of whatever networking event that we had, we would send out a daily survey that would just ask certain key questions. We would get feedback every day. And some of that stuff was stuff that we could solve overnight the next day and implement that. And then we did our NPS survey, which is extremely important to us and how we are measured internally at the end of the fourth day, like two hours at the end of the show so that everything is fresh in their mind. And our response rate jumped up from just doing that change. One of the other things was, you know, we use a platform called Slido. And in Slido, you can get feedback on each of your sessions and from your speakers immediately after the completion of that session. So, you know, we have so much going on. It was really good to kind of see how we're trending with our sessions. And we would sometimes get feedback about the session about, oh, the speakers aren't necessarily getting too in-depth. And so I would talk to my content team and say, hey, go remind all of the speakers for the next day that they have to dig a little bit deeper than what they're doing now. And then I would every day at the end of the day, get a request of what was every single question asked at the info desk. I would review all of those questions. I would see what are the trends and what are the things that we can implement and solve for the next day. And we would do that. We were always about the customer experience and receiving as much information as we could to make those changes immediately. I love that idea of just finding different ways to make it easier for your attendees to give feedback. I mean, we want to hear it. And so any sort of shortcuts you can find. And again, that info desk approach is just, you know, who who would have think that you you go to an info desk, you ask a question, like this is an issue you're running into. Someone gives you an answer. Okay, cool. That's the end of it. But you were. No, we we did. And one of the examples was I can't find X was one of the things. And I saw a couple of people asking that same question. So the next day we were able to immediately put a signage or an ask me person in that area so that it made it easier for that. And then you saw that go away as a question. It's uh, it's agile events uh, production. <laughs> it's agility. It's all agility. about agility. agility. Yes. There we go. I know another thing that's kind of distinct about Money 2020 is the fact that we've had eight years of it. There are people who are coming to this event year after year, and they're expecting a particular experience. They're expecting to be surprised in some ways as well. How do you continue to delight them and keep them coming back? It is all about surprise and delight. You have a lot of people who are there to do their four months of meetings in four days and to just be the connection. But you do want to keep it fresh because, like I said, our NPS score matters to us. And so that is all based on customer feedback. And so we have to make sure that, yeah, they might feel like they have to be there sometimes, but that they enjoy their experience there. Really kind of thinking about how can we make sure that we're getting the right trends on our stages. Our submission process is bananas, to be honest. We have 220 sessions for this year. A lot of that is created by editorial, our content team creating that, but we do a submission process. And we had over like 1,200 submissions come in just for 200 slots. 
constant phone calls, constant emails. It's a very overwhelming experience. People want to speak on our stages. It's just really talking about, you know, if you have some of these great power players who want to come and speak at the stage, you have to make sure that they're bringing something new and different, right? And sometimes, to be honest, innovation is not always happening in the USA. Innovation is really kind of coming from Asia right now for us within this particular space. And so making sure that we are bringing those people from the other countries to kind of speak about what's working and that we are bringing people who are going to showcase something different and new, not the same old talk. Another thing, like I said, is the connections aspect. We really have to create ease on how we can create connections for people. And one of them is through our matchmaking platform. We actually have a matchmaking web platform that we open up a couple of months before the show and attendees can go on there and see who's coming. And then they can also request meetings with those people. And not only that, we actually say you're going to come to the PayPal lounge at table 101 at 1015 and you're going to meet together. So we give them all of that opportunity to do that. That is easy. And then that migrates into our app. So they already have all of those meetings they've already set because these people are setting up meetings four months in advance of our show because there's so many people for them to meet. I had one attendee who said he had 127 meetings in four days. He's just constant, constant, constant. And so if you know you have attendees like that, you have to create an ease for them to do it. And then, like I said, it's all about how are we enhancing the on-site experience for our customers? How are we making it joyful? How are we making fun? It's a financial conference. So, you know, sometimes that could be a little bit boring for some people. So we always bring an experiential element to a lot of the stuff that we do. We have a lot of celebrities who speak on our stages as well because they're investing their VCs investing within startups. And so we had Shaquille O'Neal, we have Akon, we had all of those. We have Richard Branson there, we have Steve Wozniak. So those people who are investing in innovative companies are there speaking on our stages. And so, and also we have the meet and greets with some of them as well. We really do think about how can we make it not only a great learning environment, but a fun environment. And I know another uh, thing that you do in order to create a more intimate experience for all the attendees there is the uh, idea of these communities. You created nine communities, each of which was very specific and provided a smaller opportunity for folks to connect. We call them meetups and everybody knows what a meetup is, right? And one of the things that you have to do with a meetup is not make it a session. You don't need someone to sit there and just talk at people, whatever. A meetup is for you to connect and have these one-to-one or very intimate conversations with each other. What we wanted to do was kind of make it fun, fun meetups. So we came up with Women Who Lead. We came up Regulation Connection and some really fun names and uh, Blockchain Party and all of this other stuff. And these were a couple of meetups that we would host every day outside of just the regular content where people would come because we have all of these great C-suite people who are attending who have all of this thought leadership and they're not on our stages all the time. So it's a great way for peers to share with each other about what they're seeing in these particular areas. And then we would have a beach ball at these meetups and you would kind of bounce around the beach ball and wherever it landed, that was the person that gets to talk about that topic and share their ideas. So it was fun and it was really an intimate opportunity. It's something that we always look to do is like, how can we make a big show feel small? What are we doing to create these bite-sized opportunities for our attendees for them to organically connect with each other other than us just kind of forcing the issue? We have pool parties. We have parties within our 
exhibit hall area, we have an industry night where we bring a celebrity performer. So this year we had Robin Thicke. Last year we had Neo, T-Pain, all of that good stuff. So just making fun elements that we can bring where people can kind of bump into each other and just have these really great conversations. Let's talk about women in leadership and the Rise Up program in particular. We don't have too much time left, so I I want to make sure. Giving us the five minute sign. Yeah, come on, (laughs) plus five minutes, plus five minutes. I still got more to talk about. (laughs) Rise up. As we talked about, women in leadership is really important to you on a personal level. It's also really important to Money 2020 and Essential. Could you tell us about this program and how it was created and what have been some of the results from it? With financial services, it's more male-dominated, right? And so when we're looking at these submissions, we were getting nothing but men submitting to speak on our stages. And even when they were putting panel suggestions together, they never had a woman in the suggestion. What's really interesting about Money 2020 is my president is a woman and then all of the event directors are women. And so we do kind of notice when there's not a lot of us roaming around in the show. My president made this a very important initiative for her. It was like, how are we going to bring more women into our program as speakers and participating in Money 2020? And so we created this incubator program called Rise Up. And basically, it was our way to say, okay, let's give these women some tools and tips and tricks so that they would be more comfortable and have more confidence to submit to the program. And then when we opened up the submission process, something really interesting happened. We started seeing this trend in some of the comments from the women that was like, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm the only one. I'm misunderstood. I don't have a tribe of women. It's really hard for me to find a sponsor or a mentor. I'm really trying to figure out leadership in my company. It's really hard. And we had to take a step back and say, this is, this is bigger than us. There are, you know, a lot of women who still don't have a seat at the table at their company. And so we need to kind of give them some mentors that maybe we can connect them to. We need to give them some leadership training and we need to give them a toolkit that they can take back to their network and their colleagues on leadership and how they can kind of create this tribe and kind of learn from each other and kind of know that they're not alone. When we started to switch our thinking about that, it literally blew up. My, our academy is only for 30 to 35 women, and it's a closed-door program over the four days. When we first opened the submissions for the USA, and we do this in Asia and Europe as well, we had 500 women participate in the submission process. We thought we were going to like 100. We were just blown away by how many people were interested in that. And out of the three events for the one year that we've done it, we've had almost 1,600 women submit for spots that are only 30 to 35. We can see that there's just a lot of women who are still trying to have a seat at the table. And it's been a really good initiative for us. And one of the things I want to kind of call out is PayPal, because they are the only company in the USA that have pay equality. The only one. And they invested $3 million in order to do that. And I have a video with an interview with Dan Schulman on the Money 2020 LinkedIn page where we kind of talk about that because there is a 19% pay gap for women within financial services across the board, 19%. There are other companies who are trying to put themselves at the forefront of trying to change that narrative. Being a part of the Rise Up program, partnering with us on the Rise Up program gives them the opportunity to find future leaders because a lot of these women, boy, they will blow you away. They are truly leaders within this industry. You can showcase kind of what you're doing to try to change this narrative that is in the industry and also just kind of put forth effort and resources 
to these women as well. So it's been really successful for us. It really took off. I'm truly passionate about it. I don't know if you could tell. I feel like we are still struggling with having a seat at the table. And we are still struggling with finding people who are sponsors for us, not just mentors. It's really great that the program that we put together, we do match up people with mentors. And a lot of them are men, not just women. Yeah, and the results have been great from yeah. the program as well. Absolutely. So our first cohort for Vegas, one third of them have been promoted into senior positions and they attribute it to being in the Rise Up program. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a round of applause there. What's one piece of advice you would give to some of your peers here today who are looking to maybe launch a similar program? My advice is that we need to celebrate our wins more. I think one of the things that when you're the event business, you're always on to the next You are always just trying to figure out how to improve and be better and all that good stuff. And you put a lot of work into doing this because nothing goes perfect in events. Nothing. Something always falls through. Something always happens. There's always a struggle about something. There's always a challenge. So then when you get it over the mark and you're successful with it, you need to kind of marinate in that a little bit more. We all do. Instead of us just moving on to the next one, because you're going to need this to put this in the back of your mind so that when you are struggling for the next thing, you can remember how good you did and you can feel like you got this. And I think that's one of the things that we need to do more of is celebrate our wins. Resilience in leadership. I know this is something that's really, really important to you. Could you tell us about your thoughts on it? Next month, I'm doing a uh, TED style talk on resilience. And one of the things that being in events, like I said, it's definitely not for those who like perfectionism because that doesn't exist in events. You have to have this level of grit about you because you have to have the flexibility to move on from something pretty quickly instead of kind of marinate in those emotions that you're going to have and the struggle and the frustration of things. My mantra is be the seven C's. And what the seven C's are is what I repeat to myself. And, you know, I have some of my team members here, so they're going to hear this talk next, next month. This is my mantra. I am competent. I am confident. I have character. I am well-connected. I will cope. I can do this. I have control. Those are the things that when I'm like, I have to step back from myself because I'm being overwhelmed by a particular situation. I have to say that to myself and kind of get these shoulders up and feel better and have that resilience to kind of move on. You can't always marinate in the bad. You have to get to the good. And so that's going to take some talking to yourself in order to do that pretty quickly. Who's someone you look up to in business? My icon is Ursula Burns. I don't know how many people who are familiar with her, but she was the CEO of Xerox Company, and she was the first African-American CEO, and that was recently in 2009 of a Fortune 500 company. Just following her career, she is a very authentic person. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm like this here. I'm like this at home. I'm, I'm like this at work. This is me all the way. And so what I like about Ursula is that she had to bring a brand back to life. And she did that being 100% herself. She didn't follow the old Boys Network CEO playbook about anything. She knew what she wanted to do. She brought her voice to the table and she turned that business around. And it's really one of those people that I like to follow for the simple fact that I want to continue and always be authentic in everything that I do and everywhere that I speak at so that people can know people who look like me, people who talk like me, people who think like me can still move up within their career. Amazing. That's our time. I think we might have heard through the imaginary time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Monique. <laughs> thank you. Come on up. Oh, thank you.
Wow. I want to give another huge thanks to Monique for joining us for our first ever live episode. Also, huge thanks to you for joining us. It was a really magical conversation. Obviously, the mentorship and sponsorship points were huge. It's valuable to have people who give you advice, but it's also valuable to find champions that will fight for your success. Also, there was a response from the audience as Monique described the success of the Rise Up program. It really sent chills down my spine. I also appreciated Monique's point of view on authenticity and bringing who you are to the table, whatever the job may be. That's it. Keep your eyes peeled for the next in-person collective event in early 2020. In the meantime, if you have any questions or feedback for the show, please drop us a line at in-person at bizbo.com. Always look forward to your thoughts. You can also find full transcripts of the show along with key takeaways at inpersonpodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Brandon Raffleson. This has been In Person, and this is what it sounds like.